And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous starship captain once said, and as another famous starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, We'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always. That's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now, let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. On this week's episode, we are talking about jealousy and envy. But uh, And so let us know in the comments, uh, what's your favorite Star Trek episode that explores these emotions? Every week, we try to have some type of relevance to this world that we're living in right now. That's what this show was, uh, as, as Larry was talking about. This was born out of a canceled convention. And so our, our hope, our dream, our endeavor, our aspirations is always, are always... To My dream is to linger with y'all. Okay. And linger we do, Larry. Boy, do we, do we linger. Uh, we, did you have to, did you have to let it linger? Okay, so, yes. <laughs> oh, look, there's still people in the chat. Oh, yeah, we haven't scared them all off away. Um, although I think, uh, I think sometimes people like the, the board giddy shows. Um, well, so we want relevance to right now, and this was actually going to be the topic about two, three weeks ago, um, and then unfortunately Christopher Plummer died, and we we wanted to focus more on honoring his legacy to Star Trek. But the show came out of this idea of Larry now the vaccines um, becoming available, and um, I don't know about you, but I I've been experiencing a lot of jealousy and envy. Uh, for a lot of my colleagues who are now, um, a lot of my colleagues who are practicing mm. clinical psychologists are, are now vaccinated. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not jealous or envious of, um, um, what's with you? What's your, don't get are over we, are it. Are we putting it's me best, on the couch? It's best for society. Just get over it and get yourself down there to get one when you can. Uh, when I, think, I can, yeah, but I, I'm not going to be eligible for a while. I'm not going to be eligible. Oh, I'm not. I'm not a practicing. Okay. I'm not practicing right now. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm fully working in how, my. Um, my. How else do you get better at it if you don't practice? Come on, don't give up so easily, <laughs> folks. We are in for a great show today because Larry and I are in a. We're in a mood. This is going to be good, uh, Larry. I'm feeling it. This is going to be a fun. This is going to be a fun episode. Um. But no, I've been well, I experiencing. Wore, I wore green for jealousy here, so. Well, I wore blue for life support. Apparently, <laughs> one of us did not get the memo. Apparently, I don't know one which of memo. Is not a clothing expert. Okay. <laughs> um, Larry, is that Dr. Pepper? It's died, Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Are you telling me we got three doctors on the stream right now? We got Dr. <laughs> Treg, we got Dr. Pepper, and Dr. Ali. Well, we have two and a half, apparently, since Dude, that's diet. It's okay. diet. Right, right. Um. <laughs> okay. No, diet right is another old one. Okay. Oh, man. So anyways, we thought jealousy and envy 
we're experiencing that um and mm-hmm. and also our, our europe at, at the time of this uh, topic creation our european friends um had less access to vaccines than the united states the united states has even gobbled up more of a supply now more of the world supply so envy jealousy these things are playing out um and then unfortunately now larry the the t- this topic is kind of change meanings a little bit um a good part of the united states is um is struggling with a um, with a really uh devastating um, oh yeah devastating storm um a good part of texas is without power <clears throat> and so it's um you know these these are powerful emotions that that come up in the, a lot the of the good news ways. is most of them have power back the bad yes. news is most everybody has no water now so and pipes have burst yeah it's yeah. uh Plants are um, down or not restarted. They can't get chemicals in yeah. to restart the plant. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a it's a mess. And as we've seen throughout 2020, any crisis becomes so much more difficult to navigate when there's a pandemic going on. So, folks, that's the backdrop. Um, American Trek Idol says William. Larry, I think uh, I think you and I might be better qualified to judge that than than participate in it. Um, but <laughs> I would I would love to see that happen. Um, uh, Jared wants to know what's the thing on the shelf behind you. What that? That's an Enterprise, Jared. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, the thing is it the the lantern, the silver, my light. Jared, what are you talking about? Let me know, and I'll I'll fill you in. But this is this is seventeen oh one. No bloody A, B, C, or D. Um, I don't know what. Uh, Larry, Larry, get us started. Let's let's open up that briefing room here. Um, well, here, here's the thing about jealousy and envy. So so much of Star Trek, even out of the gate, is about you know the perfect humans or the perfect or the more perfect human toward a more perfect humanity. Yeah. Um. And so it's almost striking that when you start for Star Trek, and to its credit, was, you know, oh, look how much better we are in the future. Oh, look, let's not, let's, we did survive. And how did we survive? Well, we learned to get along. Um, helped by the lack of a, you know, the, the, the diminishing of profit motives and all that that, that entertain, that, that brings up envy and jealousy, competition over resources. When you can just replicate something from atoms, that helps out a whole lot and people not fighting over, you know, already existing atoms. So it's looking at going through and thinking about moments of jealousy when that it's like by design, it's almost hard to ever find one of the regular characters, even in the original series. Um, maybe not so much in, uh, in Archer's time, but still all these, these elements of jealousy all tend to be the guest stars, you know, the, the less than perfect humans or the alien cultures or whatever. So for good or bad, and you can debate that or not. But anyway, so for instance, Jealousy and Envy, I go back to a couple – there were several original series ones popped up, but I guess one is <laughs> – and part of the reason why Kurt gets accused of being such a womanizer is actually what was happening was he was using Jealousy and Envy as a tactic, as in, say, by any other name – when the Calvins are new to human emotions and he takes advantage of that as a battle tactic and takes on Rojan, the leader of the Kelvins. This is such a great screen crap right here. I love the, <laughs> I love the emotion in this, in this scene. Oh, that's just sixties overacting. Don't you know? How can you stand? <laughs> how can you stand? And look at a I love the overacting. <laughs> I love the overacting. Um, 
And the same thing, it dawned on me. I haven't thought in this angle in a long time, but it, the same thing happens in uh, Wink of an Eye later when he does the same thing to Rael with, with Dila, and they're all at accelerated motion, and he gets him to um, – it's not the same, quite the same motive, but he basically conjures up some uh, – he does a bid for the girl to conjure up some jealousy in the guy. You know, and and bust up the alien plan, basically. But, you know, you can go back to, I don't know, if, if, um, my actual first thought, and then I thought of these other ones, but there have been some human places. But when they're humans or Federation people, it's like it's a story device to show that they're they're less than our heroes or something happened to them along the way. And I, I thought of Finny, not Finnegan, but Finny. And his what? Oh, oh uh, from Shoreleaf? No, no, not that's Finnegan Shoreleaf. No, I'm oh. talking about uh, a court martial. Oh, the guy who faked who hacked into the computer and, and faked it so that it would it would make Kirk guilty. He faked his own death, basically. Right, right, right. But it's because he was reported when they were cadets on or they were they were new commissioned ensigns and uh, he was reported and he did something wrong and left open a switch or something. Anyway, Kirk reported him and he never was was advanced as quickly as Kirk was and and the rest of their class and. And he made one little mistake. I, th- I thought you're talking about um, Shore Leave, which I think there's uh, probably an example you could pull from there, too, about um, about Finnegan and just the, the rivalry that the two of them had. I mean, I don't know the backstory. Oh, that's but, a spectrum. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. When does yeah. rivalry turn into envy and jealousy, I yeah. guess? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. when is it just a ton of fun to see Kirk and Finnegan? Yeah, good. Put up those dukes. I just, I love that. I love that. Especially episode. with a good score behind it. Oh, yes. Especially. <laughs> Not just a good score behind it, but some good rocks, especially if they're Vasquez rocks. That's just. Mwah. Chef's mm-hmm. kiss. Mm-hmm. It's going to be perfect. Um, Jared's saying that thing that looks like a YouTube play button with Jared. I, uh, oh, no, turn the other way. There it is. Uh, Jared, I always love your assists. Um, Folks, I finally released after three, four, four months, Larry, three months, November, December, January, February. Oh. After four months of recording this episode, I finally released my um, biggest epic fails episode as a psychologist. Check it out on YouTube.com slash The Psych Show, where I talk about how excited I was to get that YouTube play button um, and also all the failures that led to that. So thank you, Jared, for for the reminder, including taking four months to get the <laughs> failure video done. <laughs> I I was no joke, Larry. I was going to record a little addendum to the very end of the episode that said, and it took me so long to record this and edit it. Um, but then I forgot. So that that would be even another failure behind That's that. That's another. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's, um, that's a great episode. And, uh, there's so, um, there's so many that have already been brought up in the chat. Um, I actually really like the up. example that, uh, gosh, let me see if I can pull oh, it look, up. Oh, look, Libby's here this week. Oh, wait, we've done that already. <laughs> I think Christoph mentioned, uh, yeah, Christoph mentioned, uh, for half a year, we across the pond were jealous of US and Canada getting to see, uh, lower decks through mm. official channels. So, yeah, I mean, this plays out in um in fandom as well as well as our experience just to even enjoy and participate in star trek so i love that and christoph are you on multiple channels you're on youtube and on facebook um so we've got this is wall o monitors up yeah i think we have 
We have Kristoff coming in. Um, either we have Kristoff Prime and Mirror Universe Kristoff or Kelvin Timeline Kristoff coming in, or we have, um, we've got a Thomas Riker type situation. He's been, um, <laughs> he's been the split transporter in the stream. Ethernet yes. Beam. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> split in the Ethernet beam. <laughs> oh, there we go. Hey, we should have one for Technobabble we've created. Um, Yes. I think that should be added to the drink. Once in a while. Hey, uh, here, uh, look, I'm actually looking at chat. So Melanie Jean has, uh, oh, yeah, turnabout intruder, big time. Again, a a broken person. See, only the broken people, if they're humans, only the broken humans can be jealous and be envious. All the broken people, where do they all come from? Um, Um, I actually, uh, can I go on a little uh, a rant here, Larry? Can I, um, is it, are we ready for, uh, is it that time for an Alima 2 rant? It, uh, we've been blabbing for 15 minutes. We're way overdue. Go ahead. <laughs> way overdue. I hate the term broken person or broken people. I really do. And, and here's why. So I should toss out my people glue, my person glue. Okay. Is that, I'm thinking, is that a That's- joke? That's is, what I use on broken people. Is my people? Uh, that's um um uh it's it's a it's a decent dad joke there, Larry. Um, I, it's only a decent dad joke when it takes you f- fifteen years to, when you when you have to do another epic fail about how the ba- the worst jokes. See, I love how the worst dad jokes are the ones that people don't get right off. But oh, right, go ahead. right, right, or Please. the best, uh, depending on your perspective. So here here's why I don't like the term. Please proceed, Governor. Yes, thank you. Um, here's, <laughs> you want to talk about epic fails. We could talk about a few governors here. Um, uh, okay, what was I saying? Yes. Um, so he, here's why I don't like the term is it, it, I don't think it, um, it accurately, uh, I don't think it really honors the experiences we have. Um, broken implies that there's something wrong with you that you need to be fixed. Or that you might be beyond repair. Um, you know, things can get broken. Um, people don't get broken. People struggle. People experience uh, setbacks. But we can we can always grow from them. No one is beyond growth. And I think that's actually one one big lesson in Star Trek is is no one is beyond redemption. Everyone, um, well, except maybe Khan. Maybe Khan <laughs> with the Genesis device is beyond redemption. I don't know what's he's triggered it. Um, but, but, um, we all, no matter what we're experiencing in life, we can all grow from it. Um, and it's not Mm -hmm. like we are broken in need of repair by another person. We can always find our own growth and, and redemption. So that's, that's why I don't like that term. Um, but it's a term that I think people use a lot because we don't have a lot of good terminology that reflects, more. Well, I was gonna say, come up with a new word. There. I know, I know. I'd I'd like to, um, I'd like to, and maybe let me get some more of this water in me, this very strong water, and maybe I will come up with a new term. Some of that lemon yellow water. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This eh, this is command yellow TOS, Larry. Actually, my daughter is. Yes. She's in a really big yellow phase, so everything is yellow. But uh, I like to consider this uh, Kirk yellow right here. That's just your commanding presence, right? Okay. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. And now we return to our regularly scheduled uh, uh, Dr. Trek uh, commentary. Oh, oh, no, not that. Uh, and just to say, Rose, I do see you. 
Mm. Just uh, just so you know, she asked, is she invisible? And no, Rose, you are decloaked. <laughs> uh, we see you and we appreciate you. Rose has been uh, one of our um, oldest um, members of the of the Life Support Live community here. So thank you. Most Rose, veteran, for we say, Ali, we say one of the most veteran. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Libby uh, says, well, I'm jealous Victoria of everyone. Said, First who's... season Discovery, Saru expressed yeah. envy of Michael, which, yes. And, you know, we lumped uh, – why did we lump the – envy, to me, seems like a, the little brother of jealousy. Like it's not – You we've lumped those together. What's the deal with that? Um, it, what's the deal with that? Uh, we... What's up with that? What's up with what's that? Up that? What's up with that? <laughs> What's up with that? Uh, we'll talk about that in the counselor's log. They're related, but they are definitely different. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. Why do we lump them? I don't know, Larry. Why do we do anything? We do. <laughs> we, why do we do? I don't know. Because we can. <laughs> because we can. Because we can't get can. Because we can't get can 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 can. Hey, Andrew Jasminski says. Did I say that right, Andrew? Uh, said they're already signing. No, signing will be at one p.m. Oh in yeah, the constellation room. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Down the hall, around the corner, past the really bad cafe, um, you're gonna see uh, all the signing booths. Larry and I are at the end. Um, you see where Patrick Stewart is? We're in the opposite corner. We're in the corner with the really lives in a corner signing. One time, <laughs> where I, I looked, swear to God, it was in New York City. The, the steam pipes were like. <laughs> I was hanging everything off the steam pipes. Hey. I put everything on the wall, so I just hung every anyway. Fun fact I learned last year about steam pipes. Larry, I lived in an Upper West Side apartment for a number of years where we were heated by a steam pipe as well. And it would get so hot in the winter, and I could not understand why. How I figured it was? out. Mm-hmm. I-, I figured it out, Larry. You're going to get ready, because I'm about to lay some some facts down. Some heavy steam. Back some up. heavy steam. I'm about to put some heavy steam your way. These pipes were calibrated to heat a room while the windows are open in the dead of winter. Now, why? Why would anyone have the windows open in the dead of winter? Because during the 1918 pandemic, people learned that they should have airflow. And so they would always keep their windows open um, to have some airflow. Even in the coming, dead of winter. Even in the so. dead of winter. So because of the pandemic, the heating was set to always heat while the windows are open. And that legacy is, has, has remained. So that legacy of the 1918 pandemic lives on in 2021 <laughs> um, heating and cooling in, in New York City. Boom! Uh, did I did I give you a little K three factor there? You, uh, I, in a way, <laughs> yes. I'm always just happy to think about no more spitting on the sidewalks. How that used to be. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was lost too because in 1918. Hey, folks, this is a Star Trek show. Let's talk some Trek. Um, Larry, let's jump way forward and talk about one of our favorite characters here. Oh gosh, well I was going to talk about one, but let's let's go th- to the other. I want to talk about Data. And I want to talk about I'm sorry, lore. which who what who what um I want to talk about the the um was the that brothers the one here. that was in the one series okay no yeah. we're not t- no not Star I Trek the card obscure for some of the audience here I just want to catch everybody up Dana was in the second one 
uh, we're not talking Picard. We also are not talking uh, Star Trek Nemesis, although we will get to Nemesis, folks. I've been waiting for the day when we talk about Star Trek Nemesis. On, I think it's the one movie that we haven't really talked about at all, but we got some stuff to talk about with, with Nemesis today. That's because I'm in Nemesis Club, and the first rule of Nemesis Club is that no one talks about Nemesis Club. But, I thought okay. that was the first rule of Star Trek Nemesis uh, box office. No one goes see. No one goes to see the movie, Larry. Well, that, I don't know. That was pretty tortured. But please proceed, Governor. Oh, that's twice. Okay. Oh, but um, we got we got two in a row, folks. On the okay. third one, uh, Larry turns into Beetlejuice. I don't know what happens. Uh, <laughs> flashing back to prior presidential debates. But please, please go. I'm like you're just full of it today. So I'll I, I don't know it. what's going on. You know, I woke up a few times. I had I I'm, had a I'm very so str- envious of how you woke up in this mood. I had a few dreams, Larry, no joke, that I was participating in um in a rap battle tournament and I got second place in it. Um and when I once I once I won it with second place, I, I woke up in the middle of the night and then I was very disappointed that it was a dream. <laughs> Anyways, um Star Trek Are show sure? Are you sure you weren't hopping quantum universes in another quantum universe? You did win that rap battle tournament. Well, I mean, did your wife change actresses? I mean, what happened? Well, I don't know. Minuet was just there, and then uh, everything looked okay. And then my my son was playing his trombone, and I don't know. I don't know, I don't but know. something doesn't feel ch- right. If their clothing starts changing color, then you, yeah. My wife's comm badge did look slightly different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Star Trek show, folks. Um, that was Star Trek. Come on. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a Star Trek joke yes, in there. Yes. Um, uh, Charlotte, parallel maybe, maybe one day you'll see Larry and I in that rap battle. Alexander Hamilton. Um, okay, Star Trek. Data lore. Let's talk about data lore. Um, I think envy and jealousy really play in here. So there's there's two ways I want to talk about this, Larry. Um, one is with lore. Lore seems to be clearly um, jealous of how um, of the life that that data has lived. We see this over the course of a number of episodes that um, data is is well respected is well regarded by other people. He's a valued member of the community. While Lore's experience was quite different, uh, Lore was very much feared. Lore was, um, he was treated in much the same way that we fear that we might treat AI now. And Lore sees himself as the superior um, android. And yet he is so, um, so less accepted. So we see jealousy. We also see envy of, of the role that, that data has. And I want to talk about that with you, Larry, and and our community here. But I also want to talk about data. Do you think data is jealous of humans and their ability to feel? I know this is a bizarre question to ask because data does not feel until he has what, the emotion chip, but what you're what you're asking me, Doctor Ali, is if I think Data has a jealous bone in his body. I do reckon that, <laughs> and now we've lost our uh, more viewers. Uh, no, I mean, is that? I mean, there's 
you know, data pushes his envelope even without his emotions chip. Like I always think of the moment when he's about to shoot Kivas Fajo as he beams out, you know, which would have been not his programming. But he was like so – that was the point of that episode was he was so pushed in that direction. That's not a jealousy uh, envy. I don't I, – I feel like maybe somewhere along the way he was in a situation where – or somewhere there's a scene where he says, ah – for a moment, Commander, Captain, whatever, whatever, Doctor, I almost, I, I presume that I might be almost to, about to, on the cusp of, experience a pang of fill-in-the-blank. And maybe <laughs> Jealousy Envy was in one of those, but um, but not offhand. It would just be counted as programming until you get into the emotion chip stories. and Right, right. And I mean, right. that's, that's an interesting line to, like, what is that line between experiencing the results of an emotion without actually feeling the feeling. Does that make any sense? Like, it really seems like data is driven by this envy of humans, this Pinocchio desire to be more human without actually feeling the feeling. Well, if you have a desire, you have an aspiration. We always talk about Star Trek being so aspirational. Is that somehow I, what you're saying is, and not to judge everything, but is is what you're saying taking somebody's aspiration to do be something, and it, it, it that can potentially be a negative. Um, it can be. It can I also mean, be anything, a positive. <laughs> anything in the extreme, Lieutenant, isn't necessarily a good thing. Lieutenant, so I, I got, I, I got, I got a demotion, folks. Uh oh. <laughs> what happened? You 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 demoted me to lieutenant. It's a lie. I'm quoting a line. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's it's Kirk to Uhura. You know, Uhura says, "Why, Captain?" Cyrano Jones says, "Tribbles are the only thing. Uh, uh, tribbles are the only thing money can't buy. No, love can buy. Love. Money can love is the only love that money can buy." Yeah. And he says, "Lieutenant, anything, even tribbles, or or even love." Too much of anything, even love, is not so much a good thing. Right. Whatever. I, I should remember I'm, that. We just watched I'm that a few weeks ago. Yeah. No, but, no, no, no. I, I know where you're coming from. Um, well, uh, Scott's got a great comment here. Does desire for something equal jealousy? And I, I would say no. We're going to talk about that in a little bit in the well, counselor's log. It, it can log, lead to that. But, but it can lead to that. Right, yeah. Right. And, and where is that distinction between <laughs> when does desire become an emotion? Because Data is definitely driven by certain motivations. He's endeavoring to become more human. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a mission, a goal for him. Um, when does something like that become a desire, and when does desire become um, envy or 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 jealousy? Uh, I, I think it's well. I think it's not to overuse the word spectrum, but to me, it's a it's a it's a spectrum. It's a yeah. It's a continuum. One is less damaging to self and others, and then if it's if it's not contained, it progresses through envy, and then progresses into jealousy, and then into maybe something beyond that. So, well, and, and it might be helpful to think about what's what's even the value of emotions here, since we are talking about data. Um, you know, emotions are emotions are fast. Emotions very quickly communicate a <clears throat> lot of information about what's happening around you or what's happening inside of you 
and they transform you to respond to that situation. That's the value of emotions. They're incredibly fast, like fear. Fear works very quickly. It keeps us safe. It helps us to respond to the threat that's that's in front of us or prepare for something important that's going to happen in the future. Um, that's more anxiety. But um, <laughs> data is fast. Data can quickly process, but the way data processes things are are very different than an emotional way of processing. And I wouldn't say one is superior over another. Um, I think it does take a lot of advanced, um, advanced programming and advanced chips to be able to be <laughs> faster than emotions. But like you can get there. onion or. Right, right, right. Data's gotten there. Um, Does data even need those emotions? Do emotions produce something additive for him? Now, maybe Larry, maybe this is this should be a whole nother episode. Yeah, Um, yeah, because you've got the whole Android existence from you've got Colby's uh, Corby's androids all the way up to Soong's androids, you know, through the end of Picard. So you've got a right, right. You've got a whole buffet there of Android. uh, Yeah. Yeah, we should uh let's uh um you know but there's in this so thing, many Charlotte yeah. said in first contact Picard tells Data he envies his ability yes. to turn off his emotion chip. So, yes. you know. Yes. Um absolutely. Absolutely. As as do I in some moments. And uh, we have uh what and you you mentioned the other night I didn't send an image but in for, at the end of first contact uh uh Lily and Picard have a have an envy off. Mm. <laughs> Oh, I envy you flying away on your big gleaming ship. Oh, I envy you getting to sit here and <laughs> right, right, right. The history that I know. <laughs> yeah, you get yeah. to touch the Phoenix all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I only got to touch it that one time, and then uh, it was spoil sport. Yeah. Troy called yeah. me out on it. Yeah. So Tim asked a question, which might be a nice, uh, nice transition here out of data. Please. Um, a more fitting question is: Do Vulcans feel jealousy despite their control? I was and thinking their... about that. Yeah, and, and and when McCoy calls Spock on it, and it's it's the McCoy Spock thing, but it's actually a healthy. Usually, it's a healthy thing when he's reminding him of his humanity that he was early, earlier, younger Spock was so in in need of feeling like he had to get away from. So my, pure. I always go back to the Vulcans do experience emotions. They have a very sophisticated way of managing their emotions. And a big part of their culture is to try to purge them from influencing their decisions, from influencing their behavior. So any question about emotions and Vulcans, I always go to, well, yeah, they absolutely experience it. And they have thousands of years of... um of teachings of, of how to deal with their very powerful emotions. Not only do they experience and, them, they experience them more powerfully than, than humans do. And they've got, but they've also got evolutionary psycho, whatever, not psycho. They've got, plexing. Uh, they've got plexing uh, layer. They've got plexing. No, I mean, they've had actual physiological evolution to match that. They've, they've got yeah, yeah. physical body support systems to help with that. You know, yeah. glands and different, uh, Hormones and things too, and and neurochemicals that help them suppress, yeah. just like the betazoids do. Yeah, yeah, th- that's a really great point. Is not only the Vulcans have very powerful emotions, they have an equally powerful nervous system. Um, and any species that is capable of 
telepathy like the Betazoids or touch telepathy like the Vulcans, you would assume that their nervous system is is uh, in some ways more advanced when it comes to managing emotions than humans would would be. And apparently the Vulcans got there in like a millennia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fastest case of human adapt adapt or, or <laughs> well, humanoid adaptation. They got a rough planet. Um, it's a, a case of a survival of the fittest. I want to say if this ever comes up, um, like while well, humans, what's the advantage of humans? Larry, my um, my perspective on humanity vis a vis Vulcans has always been: we've got the flexibility. Humans and and Enterprise shows this actually really well. I was going to well. say that's the theme of latter Enterprise when oh, they yeah. finally made Enterprise to show it should have been on the lawn. Yeah, thank you, Manny Cotto. Um, yeah. When <laughs> when we get to when we get there in Enterprise, you see the pride in the Andorians, the stubbornness in the Vulcans, and the flexibility of the humans. Um, the humans were the active agent. Um, their flexibility to be able to see different sides, uh, to be able to um, to change. Um, that's what kind of brought the fit, the coalition together that became a mm-hmm. that became the, the you know how I went right along noticing you didn't mention the tellerites and I just went right uh, I just, I think that's a that's a tell uh, the tellerites their turn is coming uh, we should have a whole episode about tellerites and focus on the two episodes they're featuring I think so I don't think anybody <laughs> would be able to survive that though so okay oh gosh Larry yeah um anyways um steve price has a great one uh the ultimate computer kirk's reaction to the m5 oh yeah that's a really good one we always portray that as man being replaced by machine by computer but it's it's that's that the base um the base emotion there is uh i mean it's i think about it being anger but it's somewhere in a mix it's somewhere in an envy jealous mix i mean uh yeah uh, somebody. Oh, I, yeah, I call that already. Um, yeah. Nathaniel brings up um, a really great example, which Larry, you and I did not outline. I think because when it comes to Deep Space Nine, we're like, well, yeah, every character's got a beautiful example of every theme we have uh, in every episode of Life Support. Of uh, being that word that's broken but not. Okay. <laughs> right. So here's uh, here's Nathaniel's comment: Kai Wynn's entire character seems to be built around Cisco as taking a space that was rightfully hers. A lot, a lot mm-hmm. of jealousy there, and I, I would say uh, Nathaniel, beautiful example. Um, this is also an example, Larry, that shows where jealousy can drive you to a very problematic place, one where you might be quite literally sleeping with the enemy um, mm-hmm. and and have out of out of your jealousy is a drive to destroy another person. Out of your jealousy comes um, taking actions that are putting yourself in into trouble and harm's way. I, I think you've hit on a current there that explains a lot about some of the social issues we've got today. Hmm. Uh, you're so driven by your jealousy or envy or that's become such a negativized emotion in your being that you're <laughs> that that sleeping with the enemy uh, metaphorically anyway. Um, anyway, sorry. Let's let's stick with Star Speaking Trek. Speaking of yes. sleeping, uh, a lot of people are talking about Pon Far. <laughs> um, well, uh, <laughs> you go. You bring up uh, Vulcans. Yeah, you bring up Vulcans. It's only a matter of time until we get to Pon Far. <laughs> Larry, um, let's talk about another character that we all know and and love. 
uh, and sometimes <clears throat> love to hate, and that's Q. Um, mm-hmm. there is the, this, this is an example you brought up in our, in our pre-show. Um, well, especially was, when Q is Rob is depowered. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. unpowered. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, let's talk about that. So, um, remind me, what do you notice when, when Q does become human and is depowered? Um, how's envy and jealousy playing out there? Well, he's in, he's envious that, uh, he misses his powers, but the, what also happens is he feels like no one respects him. He's he's reduced to begging for respect and begging for – and no one wants to trust him. No one at first trusts him that he's really depowered, and this isn't some big Q illusion that he's putting them through. And he has – he like, he takes him half the show to, to prove that he's really not himself, and he's less, less than he was and equal with them. But that he's never equal with them because he's so untrustable that he's right. constantly being left behind, and he's mad about that and right. envious and trying to prove himself. And it, it, it's comical, and it's pathetic and sad and yeah, and all that. But he's envious. I mean, I think he's envious of their normality. But yeah. he carries that anyway. It's a fascination. It's the old Trelane thing, you know, brought brought writ over, you know, a whole a whole series of seasons and even the other two series too. But yeah, it's that, uh, it's that fascination that goes all over the place. Sometimes it's menacing and sometimes it gets wrapped up in some other larger issue like the suicide of Quinn or his wife or the civil war of the Q and all that. But that fascination with humanity sometimes turn make, uh, it's, it's like he wants He wants his escape. It's like we go somewhere on vacation and wish we could live with the locals wherever that might be. Briefly, even though we'd probably be, really be unhappy, <laughs> but we envy like a simplicity or just a different life, you know, the greener grass, whatever. Yeah, that might. yeah. He he's had this fascination with humanity, and then uh, when he actually becomes human against his will, he is envious of how they've all found a way to live and find meaning and um don't hate themselves <laughs> you know it's it is all those things that you talk about it's it's pathetic but it's also um um it's really sad and it's it, it's rough having to turn in your super alien card so you know hey it was hard for me yeah. when i when i uh was was robbed of my q abilities i still do this and i'm, I'm waiting for that flash and never the q flash you know, yeah. the q fl- it never it never happens, never happens. Yeah, yeah you need never. a bigger budget okay <laughs> <laughs> uh scott has been mentioning this a couple of times but i'm throwing this out again because it was so early and it might have been missed or nobody cared we cared scott we saw it we saw it uh tng's family picard and uh robert um actually or robert uh use the word jealous when talking about their relationship um these two mm. brothers boy they have real um Real powerful emotions there. And they do use the word jealous um, of each other. Picard got to leave and be a part of the noble Picard blood that uh, colonized. See what I did there, Larium? That's called foreshadowing. Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. It dozed off. What? <laughs> what uh, a little foreshadowing in Nemesis. We're gonna Don't be get about literate now. on me. Oh, okay. I'm still foreshadowing Nemesis. <laughs> 
a but, fire, a barn fire. I still say it was a barn There's an early draft where they say that it was a barn fire, which then it went away. And everybody looks at me crazy when I say barn fire. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's a barn fire. <laughs> you, you'd think they would have some sophisticated fire suppressors. Oh, no. Um, they were in the historic rustic French district, and so they didn't have... No. <laughs> they didn't have... <laughs> well, you think beam out. you think there might be some kind of emergency beam out procedure, but... Uh, you know, exhaust it's the... It's France. Who knows? <laughs> it's, it's France. <laughs> it's France. Um, Anyways, um, Jean-Luc got to be part of that long line of Picards who settled Mars, who were explorers. He got to leave. His brother did not. His brother um, either chose or because Jean-Luc was was going to be that person, he stayed and took care of the vineyard and and was uh he was stayed on stayed at his post. He yeah. stayed at his post. Uh and there is this this jealousy between the two of them and once they kinda work through it by fighting in the mud. Um, Picard opens up about the trauma he's he's experienced being assimilated and being responsible for Wolf 359. I mean, there is a lot happening there that is both personal but also galactic in its consequences. Um, that's a wonderful episode, Scott. I, I love that episode. There's, there's I mean, a- how would DS9 have been altered the trajectory out of the gate if they're having that confrontation and when Cisco confronts Picard very, you know, kind of sweetly with daggers and says, oh, you know, yeah, only me and my wife and kid, you know, my wife killed and all that. And instead of Picard getting weirded out by it, he just turns around, looks right at Cisco and just hits a button and mm. we replay that scene from family. Um, Cisco goes, oh, I get it. I'm so sorry. I understand. Okay. <laughs> Charlotte is bringing up Neelix. She says, I'd argue that Neelix takes jealousy to an unhealthy level in his relationship with Kess. If Kess so much as speaks to another man, he freaks out and assumes the worst. He makes, you know, an emergency supply of Leola root soup. Um, that's my line, not Charlotte's. Um, it's actually pretty toxic. I was relieved when she dumped him. So, Larry, this is one that you and I did outline um, uh, as, as something we should talk about. Um, let's, let's talk about I Neelix God and we Kess. brought this up on another episode for another reason, but yeah, well, see, this is part of the problem though, with the whole, the whole way that Neelix and Kess eventually got structured. They said he was jealous of her, especially with Tom Paris, but it was like, we never really felt it because it's like, it, it almost came off as being creepy, like paternalistic, not like, uh, you know, like a lover's couple because you never saw anything really. He would call her sweeting all the time. I don't know. Did he kiss her once or twice, maybe on the cheek? I mean, we never saw anything that felt like it. So, yeah. You didn't see the affection. You didn't see the love. Yeah, yeah. You didn't see the affection there. So it almost felt a little weirdly creepy and it was all verbal, you know, like he was fulfilling a contract or something. Not that. But but, yeah, the on paper, (laughs) the lines they were made to say it, that's yeah, that was a very much. In fact, that was like the big. Well, I don't know. We'll we can get into some more of that. Um, b- before we totally leave DS9, though, that was DS9, a good- we were yes. at DS9. Oh, you brought, yeah, yeah, we were briefly well, there's a at couple. DS9. Well, Charlotte here in the chat has, Worf always gets, often gets jealous of Jadzia's past lovers. Yes. And even even yes. people she looks, you know, 
Captain Bodet, much less Captain Bodet. Captain Bodet. We got to see a Galamite someday. Someday we're going to see it. Maybe, maybe Lower Decks our... is going to give us a Galamite. I, I I know it. I know Lower Decks season two oh, is going to okay. bring us a Galamite. I was going to say maybe we'll get one on Picard. Yeah, but yeah Lower yeah. Decks. Uh, I just it's so sexy, Larry, to be able to see inside someone's uh, skull. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I see right through you. Um, <laughs> no, that is a dad joke. I love it. Uh, that is a good one. Um, okay. Ye- see, here's my okay. My thing about dad jokes is all uh, right. Larry's going to go on a rant now. Please, they were the okay. You call them bad jokes, but when I was a kid and I got you know Weekly Reader and Jack and Jill in first grade, second grade, third grade, that's the. Those were the jokes that little kids tell. So I don't – it's like suddenly they'd be quite like one generation from if you were born this year and they were like little kid jokes to you. No, they were – they're around. Those are the little kids. Those are in highlights. Those are in, in magazine. You know, those I are think, the, little, in the little innocent kid jokes. And suddenly they're dad jokes. And I, just, I think I because go, that's why dads tell them because kids – Young kids really like those jokes. They're the kind of jokes little kids make. I just, I want to stand up for little kids there. I'm tired of little kid culture being usurped by dadists. (laughs) Can I just say that? And you can drink on that one. Okay, anyway, back to Star Trek. (laughs) Back to Star Um, Trek. Um, So one I did send you an image of, though, from DS9. And it's one that I know Libby mentioned. Yes, yes. Is war a uh, 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 war? Quark's jealousy pops up many times, but the I think the most famous one is uh, Quark's jealousy of his cousin Gala having a moon yeah. and having yeah. everything go his own way. Cousin Gala and his moon. <laughs> Quark really wants that moon. Well, this um, greed is a big is a um, emotion that is very much um, as much as temperance is a strong value in Vulcan culture. Greed is a strong value in Ferengi culture. And the Ferengi... As much as you wanted the Enterprise, I want this. Yes, yes. And um, going back to where the Ferengi came from, um, season one, um, Star Trek The Next Generation, they were always meant to be this like horrible, uh, ultra-capitalistic reflection of Western culture. And um, people, Reagan's, Reagan's America, Reagan's right, 80s. Right. Yeah. Like taken to a very big extreme. Greed is and, good. Get and, and we don't really see it as a fully fleshed out culture until Deep Space Nine. And I think once you get to Deep Space Nine, you can see see that it's, it's more complicated. Um, but anyways, going back to this, um, Envy, it, I would say <laughs> Envy um, is very much encouraged in Ferengi culture Mm -hmm. because it is one way of uh, driving more capitalism, of of desiring more. In a culture that is so much based on um, purchasing and selling and commerce, you want... You want to increase a desire to buy, a desire to spend. Gee, almost like advertising works. I was going to say, thank you, Mr. (laughs) Madison Avenue. Yes. (laughs) Hey, yeah. I worked on, um, uh, when I was in New York, I worked in a building that was uh, um, uh, affectionately called East Madison Avenue, where a lot of advertising firms used to be. Actually, the building I was in was owned by a big uh, advertising agency. They had a... Larry, they had a great cafe on the third floor. I gotta say, they had a really great cafe. Yeah, did you did you really eat there? Did, was that just good word of mouth? 
Oh. <laughs> I see what you did there, and I uh, like it. I am okay. picking up what you're putting down. Okay. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about Ferengi. Yes. Um, yeah, so this is... Uh, the whole experience of this, this is where emotions get complicated, Larry, because emotions are influenced by Only. your culture and the values and what emotions are encouraged. Like, for example, anger. Anger is so, such a gendered emotion in, um, in the United States and anger mm. is so much more allowed <clears throat> for people who identify more as masculine. And it's so, um, you know, when, when a man is masculine, they're being strong and assertive. I'm sorry, when a man is being masculine. When, um, when someone who identifies as male is being angry, they're being assertive and strong. But when someone who identifies as a woman is being angry, well, that is not something that is to be encouraged. So emotions are very much influenced by culture. And in Ferengi culture, envy is not a problem. Envy is to be encouraged. Compare that with Federation Earth culture. Envy is not something that is desirable at all. And 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 we see that conflict with Quark and Cisco throughout the show. Yeah. Well, in Federation, you say, here, here's my replicator. Here's my hollow <laughs> file. Here's my replicator file. Enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Okay. Lots of, uh, lots of rants today. Lots of, uh, um, uh, and, oh, Libby says, uh, and yet when Rom becomes Nagus, Quark admits he'll make the better one, at least for the new Ferenginar. Oh, Libby, I so wish we could revisit them in, I don't know, Picard or lower decks i'd really like to see how that is playing out maybe lower decks will give us a little bit of a vision i mean they took us to ds9 briefly um gosh i really want to see what is up with the new Ferenginar. um thank you for reminding us of yeah that. well i want to see what's up with the new Ferenginar. what's up with the new cardassia um what's up with I that What's up with the What's up with Prime, uh, new, old, indifferent? I mean, just some... <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, just scraps. Eddie, it, it, Give yeah. us some scraps of Teller Prime. Maybe, <laughs> well, I was going to say maybe Discovery will, but uh, that's far in the future. Um, there's, um, I, I do want to, um, I, I, I really would like to talk about our friend over here, Shinzon. Um, I want to, I want to talk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about Star Trek Nemesis and, um, you know, this, uh, Tom Hardy before Tom Hardy became Tom Hardy. I think the only role he had here before this was Band of Brothers. Um, the only major role he had. Or about the same time, right? About the same time, <clears throat> right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's got that wonderful Patrick Stewart nose piece. Um, but let's, let's talk about Shinzon and, and Picard a little bit, Larry. Um, you know, Shinzon, this clone of Jean Luc, when did they get his blood? When did they, uh, when, do we find out when they got They, they track, well, if they don't track it in the movie, okay, I wasn't expecting this. No, there's some moment behind the scenes when they had a moment tracked. Like when, when, uh, he was on, when he was on Romulus in disguise? I'm trying to think. Anyway, there was a moment where they were, where they did it. Where they, in their minds, I, they, you know, and then rapidly it grew. Because it had been 10, 15 years yeah, since then. They, they You're going to make me sit here and do the math. But okay. They accelerated his growth. So right. he's not um, 
That's like, actually like any good alien hybrid. <laughs> they go, they go from zero to seven in a year, and then they're off and running after that. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Um, so he, that's actually why he's a bit unstable. His cellular structure or whatever, his DNA is a bit un- mm-hmm. unstable. But anyways, um, there's uh, proto matter in the mix. Okay. There's proto uh, proto matter. Th- those Romulans are always they're always doing shady scientific experiments that mess with space time and and uh, DNA and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like messing with the most elemental and important aspects of of nature. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, here we have a clone of Jean Luc Picard who in every way is him although lived a very different life he um when the when the romulans discarded the plans to replace jean-luc with their clone um they sent him to remus which i actually i really like you talk about texture not not um Mm -hmm. trivia uh, not trivia i love the reman um element that was introduced to uh star trek nemesis and mm-hmm. uh you know really diving deep into this uh this origin with rome and romulus and remus and and all of it. i i love what they did here in introducing remans um their uniforms looked a little bit like they were at a party set in the matrix world but you know i'll forgive them for that but <laughs> but i do like how this was deepening the whole Romulan storyline. But um, Shinzon grew up on Remus in a very impoverished, enslaved culture. And the the real big questions here of, if you lived the life I lived, you would be doing exactly what I am doing right now. Um, I, there, I wish we could sit in that moment a little bit more. Um, and if you actually look at the, str- uh, the screen test between Patrick Stewart and, um, and Tom Hardy, that was actually on a Star Trek Enterprise set. If you've ever seen that, fo- if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube mm-hmm. and watch that behind the scenes footage. It is, um, it, it's, it's really lovely seeing these two actors play off of each other and really grappling with these big questions. I mean, Shinzon is, he, I, I would say he's, he's quite jealous of, of Jean-Luc. Oh yeah. The life that he didn't, he was denied or something. Yeah. We're the same person and you had it so much better and you have yeah. this acclaim and you have respect and yeah. It's very much a Tom Riker, Will Riker situation. Um, or a Janice to, Lester, James Kirk situation. Yes. Or a, Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, the two Rikers. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. And and I think this plays out in a lot of sibling relationships in mm-hmm. real life. Um, you know, we come from the same family. We have similar DNA. Well, and why did you... said Robert and Jean-Luc, so... Hey, right. yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, Shinzon goes in the direction of a, of a super weapon of mass destruction, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Picard's like... <sighs> set course for the turn on ramming speed or whatever um so there there's that but i do think ramming speed (laughs) um i i think there's a lot of beauty to those scenes between shinzon and jean-luc and there there's a lot of you know people before uh, before star trek 2009 came out larry um and people are like oh it's just copying this or no before star trek into darkness came out and people are like oh it's just wrath of khan I, I want to tell people, go rewatch Nemesis. 
you know, um, uh, the the writer of Nemesis, uh, John. Um, oh, you've got me. Yeah, he wrote Gladiator. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yes. We have an Oscar-winning screenwriter. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ch- someone in the chat's going to help us out in just one moment. Um, but he he was a huge fan of Wrath of Khan. Um, huge Star Trek fan. Well, every every movie starts off trying to emulate Wrath of yes. Khan. Yes, um, it does, and and some do so better than others. Um, and you know, anyone who's complaining about Star Trek in the Darkness, take another look at Star Trek. Uh, John Logan, thank you, Scott. Um, John Logan um, wrote Star Trek Nemesis, and and there's a lot there that is similar to Wrath of Khan, um, very intentionally, um, even to you know, absent friends. Um, when Data dies, spoilers, mm. he doesn't actually die. His consciousness is being maintained somewhere else. Um, and there's a whole B4 situation. three big simple blocks of data. <laughs> of Small literal B4. data. Um, oh gosh. Oh gosh. Yeah. But yeah, folks, this is, this is where I'm going to go in a sandbox here. And, um, I think Larry, this is a very friendly sandbox for, for the two of us. You have to rewatch this stuff. If you're if you're a Star Trek fan, you know you watch something the first time. You have a strong reaction to it. Dig a little bit deeper, like revisit it again, and you'll find that there not only are there more redeeming aspects to it that add a lot of texture to the canon, like with Star Trek Nemesis and these these big questions of identity, but there's also um, things aren't as perfect as you remember either. You know, p- the same concerns and complaints people have about Star Trek Nemesis or Star Trek in the Darkness, you can apply them to Star Trek Nemesis. Things are complicated, and Star Trek is a big playground, and there's a lot that we can take from the stories that you might also not enjoy as much. So, anyways, so that was that was a plea to go revisit Witch now. You mentioned so <laughs> yeah, many. yeah. Good question. What are you asking us to do, Ollie? <laughs> um, I think I think revisit Star Trek Nemesis. Um, there's there's a well, lot of yeah, great I've stuff. I've always in had it. a lot more respect for Nemesis than it got at the time. Yeah, I've, I told you my I I remember when I was allowed to read the script ahead of of opening. I remember the moment that got me in the whole script, and I watched the movie. And it have I told you this? And it just it just tromped by, and I went, oh, Stuart Baird. It's when I'm <sighs> when I'm reading the script, and Riker and Worf are walking along in in a quiet moment. They're on their way to you know go fight somebody or do something. But it's right after the Romulan battle. The uh, Denatra and the two other Romulan warbirds tried to help attack Shinzon. Yeah, yeah. they lost. They they either they were blown up or they're crippled or one in one or whatever. Anyway, and they're walking away. And just out of the blue, Worf says, the Romulans fought with honor. You know, yeah. like he's almost yes. thinking out loud. Yes. And Riker yeah. doesn't, almost doesn't even like respond to that. They're just walking yeah. along. And talking. But, but I'm reading that, flipping pages, that and the ramming. I thought, oh, my God, we've never seen a ramming in Star Trek. This will be awesome. And they just went, <laughs> it was like, eh. But even more so, that moment just was, they just went, eh. He's walking along and he says this line and they keep walking because they got to get to the next scene. And I'm like, no, that goes all the way back to Worf letting the yes. guy die. Yes. In the di- yeah. I mean, it's like that's an incredible Worf Romulan. The Romulans killed my family. I mean, the whole thing of Worf and the Romulans. And it was so it's like if you want to call any of the rest of that script clumsy. But I thought that's an amazing line. And it's a great case. This whole thing about. Do we make the movie for the Uber fans or do we make it for the people that have never seen Star Trek before? How do we walk the line? And that was a perfect case of 
It's one line. Nobody who had never seen any prior movie went, wait, wait, what did that mean? What did that mean? That must yeah. refer to something. Yeah. That was, you know, it's like it's just in there. But if you're if you're a fan from the beginning, you were like, hopefully like me. It's like, whoa. But I watched the movie go by and it's like, and the Rotterman's Fault of Honor. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with away. you. They tromped through that moment. And that's that's like the shining example of me reading something on a page and seeing it on screen and going, Okay, well, you blew that. Anyway, that's that's my nemesis. <laughs> I, I I agree, Larry, and I um um. There's uh, Brent Spiner has this great joke about how the first draft of Star Trek Nemesis, um, the producers liked, but the cast didn't like. The second draft, the cast loved, but the producers uh, hated. And then there's a third draft that like no one liked, and that was a movie that they made. (laughs) I I, I always laugh at the joke. But I think the reality is um, they made a movie... Uh, the the script was written really for fans and as a send off for the next generation in many ways. Um, you know, Riker and and Troy are going to go off on their mm-hmm. own journey. Um, Data is going to die. Um, the Enterprise is going to have a new first officer. We're going to bring the Romulans finally to the big screen. They're going to be the big the the big bad here. Um, but they had a director who really was not a fan. Um, and I wouldn't, not, I would, I don't want to say not a fan because we've had many directors that weren't fans and they were great. And Nicholas Meyer is a wonderful example of that. Star Trek 2 and Star Trek 6. But he knew how to respect the material and that's where. That's, that's the thing. Really understanding the material. Well, and, if you, oh, you just gave me a K3 here. If you really want okay, to get the root go for of it. this. No, it's Stuart Baird who was an editor who was, who wanted to be a director who had saved two movies for Paramount. One of them was Laura Croft and one of them was the set was U.S. Marshals, I think. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. U.S. Marshals saved them in the edit room to make them halfway passable. And so Paramount owed him a jit. And they were at that point, they were all into, you know, they were looking at, at, um, like insurrection had dipped below first contact on the movie side. Yeah. And somewhere between that and being hyper-focused on Enterprise, being the future of the franchise, they kind of just said, oh, we owe him a favor. Let him direct the Star Trek. How can you mess up a Star Trek? You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and, and let's get some new blood in. And on one hand, that 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 um, that reaction to insurrection, on one hand, that the, the Brent Spiner bringing in John Logan, the Oscar-winning screenwriter, which was like a big you know PR thing for them and a feel-good – that wasn't so bad, although they watered down the script they wanted to do originally. Uh, and Data dying was like the main thing. That was like Brent saying, "This is my last movie. I, it's t- I'm getting too old to play Data." But yeah. you have an emotion. You have an aging chip. Shut up. Um, <laughs> that was the driving thing behind it. So people were like pissed at Nemesis for yeah. Data dying. It's yeah. like no, that was Brent Spiner pushing that. So that was going to happen. But on one hand, the new blood worked great with. I mean, you could improve it, but work great with the script side on the directing side. Not so much. And you got a director who was so busy. He was so the nice word would be to say anxious or the nice word would be to say envious of other directors who had made it. Yeah. Or you could just yeah. say, you know, um, uh, inferiority complex or what's the word? I, the um, Insecure. He was sure. so insecure about it that he was the he was running around all corners of his of his yard pissing in every corner trying to mark his fur. <laughs> and that like, you know, and so to him being and he apparently he was a short fused person anyway, just as his personality. But it's like fighting and challenging everything every day, every five minutes 
was his modus operandi, and you'll notice that he's still a much regarded editor, but after this really didn't <laughs> direct anything after this. Yeah. But the but who cares about that? Twenty years later, we're left with this uh about Nemesis, you know, yeah. when it deserved to be yeah, it deserved uh, to be Star Trek Six. It thing, deserved to be in Discovery. The Center. thing that annoys me about Nemesis is Wesley didn't really get his his moment there. And um how uh, that's I think that's like a good example lines, of not you know, three lines. Yeah, that's but, it's it's a good example of not understanding the source material that you're bringing this family back together and that is their last moment together on screen. It's it's a it's similar to the Star Trek 6 moment where so we So far. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but it, it's very similar to that Star Trek Six moment, that very end when Sulu and the Excelsior calls the calls, uh, hails the. He's like, "Hey, can I get a, a Jean Luc Picard?" No, it's um, y'all want to zoom? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they fire up their zoom, um, and they're looking at uh, the original series cast for one last time, um, and there is that send off. Right where the Excelsior goes off and the Enterprise uh, 1701A is, is going to. It's that kind of moment where this family is together for one last time and the camera hangs there. It lets us enjoy that moment. And we didn't get that with Wesley. They brought Guinan back. They brought um, they brought the family here and we didn't really quite get it. Uh, Robin's got uh, a comment here. I um, caught that line and felt um, a wash of emotion. The Romulans fought it with Onder. I felt like Riker's reaction or lack thereof was right perfect. It was nearly um, it was nearly a thought out loud. I didn't think it needed Riker to react to it. Perhaps he could have um, missed a step or looked at Worf, but uh, more was not necessary yeah. for me. So it, it is a... It is a really important line. Yeah, I think I'm some not people talking about bringing a brass band. I just wanted <laughs> a little, just something <laughs> just <laughs> for him to stop and think. Yeah, and I look from yeah, they didn't have to go on and on and on about it, but I just yeah. I was just very in my mind's eye when I saw that versus what I saw on the screen. I was like it was just clear that there was no no Baird didn't Baird and the editing he oversaw didn't bring any resonance to it at yeah. all. So anyway. Yeah. Um that and the ramming both. Yes. Uh, Rebecca says, poor Wes wound up on the cutting room floor along mm -hmm. with 80% of Beverly's lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And all the uh, morning, uh, three-fourths of the morning data, M-O-U-R in I-N-G. <laughs> no, all the deleted scenes and the data yeah. Picard toasts the beginning that set up the echo later. I mean, yep. yeah, all the deleted scenes in favor of the Argo running around the desert, the action scene it's yeah yeah anyway, there's there's a lot and there are, there are a lot of problems we can talk about with voyager i think especially with what happens to troy um maybe that's something we'll get into at a later time but we've got a lot more uh, envy and jealousy to talk about yeah here yeah later. yeah we should get, yeah because uh starting with everyone's favorite a aliens the kazon ogla <laughs> we talked about voyager we talked about kess but um the junkyard you, playing up. Yeah, I you just, you brought up the Kazon, and I think it's a very good. Well, uh, it's a good one say, to bring we're up. We're talking about we're envy and jealousy. We're talking about individuals, and there's Mage Culla, but um, 
but like there could be like I was thinking there's social envy and social jealousies like whole civilizations, whole societies can be envious and jealous of another. And that was a case where it's stupid, but the case (laughs) on we're flying around in warp ships and we, you know, anyway, um, they, you know, from the trade, but the Kazon are repeatedly envious of the Federation and their technology and their, you know, and their warp drive and their replicators. And, um, you know, although, you know, when you've got planets without water, that water, ooh, I just went East Coast. Water. When you've got uh, water, when you've got planets without water, it's, uh, it's a thing, I guess. But anyway, why do you have planets without water? Uh, accessible water. <laughs> you have made but, an enemy today. Yeah, not to. <laughs> oh, I have that marked on my calendar. Oh, look, it's make an enemy day. It's, I gotta put that down here. Okay, make an enemy day today. Uh, do we have a drinking line for making new holidays? That should be a new thing too. Because um, I'm out. No, because then it's not it, when you get on that level. Then and I so I sent you that image and I don't want to hopscotch too much, but I just let's hopscotch a little. Hopscotch. I just automatically go to the best episode for the idea of the whole concept. When it wasn't being cardboard cutout villains, the great debate between Vance and Osira toward the end of Discovery. It's like here we always have to say Discovery oh, Season 3. Sure. It's like there's Discovery and there's Discovery Season 3. Because Discovery <laughs> Season 3 was such a different series than Discovery. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, a very oh, different look, series. It's like the show it was meant to be, maybe. Anyway... When she frames the whole emerald chain, it's like we're not just snarling, seething henchmen in black. Well, we are, but, you know, in green. <laughs> but we have this reason, this motivation, which is you're hogging all the resources and we're not. You know, you've got still got the cream of the crop. We've got, we're, it's kind of like the case. Of we're hopping around in warpships, but you've got the cool stuff and you won't share your toys. Um. But there, that was a case of cultural society-ish yeah. um, envy, jealousy, at least a surface reason for you know, explaining their snarliness. Yeah. But anyway, it's just a bit of, of the fact that a whole society can grow to be uh, envious, jealous of. Yeah, and I think with Osira, um, Admiral Vance, when he when he opens up that, it's not even a piece of paper anymore. It's not even a pad. My my God, bones! What is this? piece of tech it's a projection of words memo (laughs) yeah um and he goes through all the fine points and admiral vance uh this is the line that blew you away larry that week and and i love this line too he goes through it and and then what does he say larry he says what the the past is the only light that we have to eliminate the future Yes. Illuminate, yes. not eliminate. Yeah, eliminate. eliminate. The past is how we eliminate the future. Now we're talking Terminator. Let's... Now we're talking Temporal Cold War. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Temporal Cold War. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, no, that is how we destroy a franchise and a network at the same time. Um, let's, let's, by the way, let's bring in a boy band every episode in the mess hall. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, um, the, um, Osiris, powerful emotions really get in the way of her being able to step down, take the responsibility mm-hmm. that Vance is asking of her as, as a way to bring these people in together, you know, and, um, and that doesn't happen. Um, uh, Glinda also mentions here, I never understood the galactic scarcity of, um, of water. And, 
I think season three of Discovery does a good job of of um, of using of talking about scarcity and um, and we could make an argument for jealousy or, or envy, maybe envy more so of resources that exist across these different planets through the course of um, of these large. Um, factions that have emerged, whether it's the Federation, the Klingons, the Romulans, these large, uh, organizations. It, it makes a lot of sense that different planets would become known for different resources and there would be this galactic trade of goods that would happen. You would have planets that are rich in dilithium, planets that are more rich in other resources, mm-hmm. and there would be a sharing. And, and if this whole trade is disrupted by, uh, what was it called, Larry? It wasn't called the Big Bang. It was called the, the burn. Uh, the the big burn. burn. The burn. Um, it all started with a big burn. Burn. <laughs> burn. Like a Michael Burnham. Um, that that disrupted all of this, and I think it's a good Spoiler metaphor alert, for. That's not the theory. Behind I know. Me. I know. I know. I know. I'm not not putting out any Star Trek conspiracy theories out there, but. Stale ones. We, we, we saw this in 2020 with the pandemic. And as, as our global trade became disrupted, um, there were supply shortages. There's things that you couldn't access and things that couldn't work. And the Kazon and getting back to Voyager, there's strong jealousy of their technology, of replicators, of what they have and how so many aliens are so angry for Voyager <laughs> not sharing. And they do not understand this prime directive that, get ready for it, Larry, this prime directive that Janeway and the crew cling on to. Oh. See what oh, I did there? Get ready for that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, you're so good at that. The jealousy is strong in this one. <laughs> okay. Um, let's, let's pivot to a fun example, Larry. Let's talk about those T88 scanners. Yeah. Um, I did see somebody early on. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm tr- madly trying to catch up in the chat, guys. But somebody early on talked about uh, Boimler being uh, Bradward being jealous of Mariner off and on just about her getting away with things when he was trying to walk the line, which is which is true. It was like it's constant. That's I was trying to think of a moment. But here's a moment that you thought of. Mm-hmm. Um where they were jealous and envious of the Vancouver, which now I want to go back and ask Mike uh, McMahon about uh, McMahon about uh, <laughs> about the L.A. Vancouver Toronto, th- why they named that ship the Vancouver. But anyway, um, that whole thing about being envious of their posh engineering and their yeah. posh equipment and all that, and then sneaking out with a whole bag of T-88s, I think they were. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But then you know everything's a little everything's a little animation warped for lower decks anyway. So you know uh, Rutherford and Tendy are like two of the most balanced. They have their moments, but they're like nothing compared to the Mariner Boimler bunch, Brad and uh, Brad and Beckett. So um, so let them let them be a little envious. You know, well, and, and and where does that envy take them? Is w- once they sort of see the other side. And they meet that other engineer, and uh-huh. he talks about how envious he is, right, of their ship, you know. And and this is something that I've I've personally experienced. You know, Jared earlier was asking about my where is it? It's over there, my my YouTube award. Uh-huh. Um, no, it's I'm jealous of you. No, I'm jealous of you. No, well, I yeah. want your 
yeah. that's I mean that's been my envy has been my journey on YouTube early on I was um uh I have a, she's now a friend but bef- envy is my journey <laughs> I, yeah, okay. I think uh that that makes me want to think of like a, a Star Trek Discovery episode title like um the beginning of journey uh, the beginning of envy is the end of something like I feel like they're always like these log enterprise had these single word episode titles Discovery has like a whole sentence, um, and Enterprise well, that was Discovery. That's not happened on Discovery season three. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. And then, like TOS was all Shakespeare in its titles, um, and uh, looks like, looks like Larry, are you caught in a temporal? There you go, there you go. I thought you were you were caught in a little bit of a temporal. Okay, you're back with me, so I guess I'm back with you. <laughs> yes, okay. yeah. We were in a little bit of a temporal. And so we are all together. So okay. together, together, my friend, we are together. Uh, um, my neighbor. Okay. Won't you be my neighbor? Are we in Mr. Rogers now? I don't. I don't know where we Mr. are. Mr. Rogers Quadrant. <laughs> Won't you be my galactic neighbor? Um, uh, what were as I talking about? Uh, oh, I was just making fun of episode names, but I, yeah. I had, um, back and forth. Yeah, I was back and forth jealousy. I mean, mutual. Oh, oh YouTube, envy. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, she's now my friend, but before I was very envious of her YouTube channel, uh, Vanessa Hill. She runs a YouTube channel called Braincraft. And, uh, when, um, when I discovered her channel, I was very early in my YouTube journey and I make videos about psychology and mental health. And she made videos about psychology and the brain. And, um, her channel was, I went back when I had a hundred subscribers, a thousand subscribers. She was at half a million subscribers. And I was so envious of where her channel was, but also the quality of her videos. She did a lot of, um, handmade animation that was just beautiful i had no idea how to do any of that and when i finally met her and we and um eventually i kind of shared how envious i was she said i'm envious of you you're actually a psychologist you actually have um real world examples that you can draw from from your own training i don't have that i'm not a psychologist i studied this stuff but i i haven't been practicing this stuff i can't practice this stuff you can do things that i can't and yeah she's a total faker she's no she doesn't she doesn't present herself as a psychologist at all she presents herself as as someone who loves this and this stuff and wants to share her love of it um and she sort of mentioned that there's things that she can do that i can't but there's things i can do that she can and so the more i got stuck in that envy the less i was actually able to to do what i do well and uh and move forward and she told me that she was uh you know i was comparing myself to her and she was comparing herself to other channels and feeling like um mm. like um there's um you know that she's not good enough and all of that larry you're a little frozen right now i was going to say i'm frozen here so we can see to... you we can hear you but you mm-hmm. are frozen uh very i think the rom the romulans heard what we were up to folks they heard what we were up to and they frozen time just like they did when they were experimenting with that new singularity device Time's yeah Time's larry you need to reset your temporal reset. that wrist that you that wrist temporal Lieutenant, thing. I said code two. Code okay. yeah. <laughs> so Larry, I'm gonna kick you out of Skype and then bring you back in. I'm uh, going oh wait 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 wait, you're back. 
You're back. I just I just reset my restream. Now I've lost the chat. I knew that would happen, but oh well. Well, you're back. I, um, I was way behind on reading chat, so sorry, guys. Oh my gosh, people are doing frozen in the comments. Of uh, course they are. This yeah. is amazing. Let it go, let it go. The Borg never bothered me anyway. Uh, As opposed to let it snow. Yeah. <laughs> have we got? Have we done all of our? Not to cut you off on whatever it was we you got, were saying. We have but, two more. We can do, I think, pretty quickly, and then okay. I can do I'm a just, combined. I'm just watching the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, and I'll do a okay. combined uh, counselor's log and a away mission. Um, there's a couple more. Oh, and um, who who was asking this? Um, someone was asking about my shirt. Yeah, uh, Melanie, this is uh, it says nerd on here, and there are uh, a lot of nerdy things like a rocket ship and TVs and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, this is, yeah, I was asking that in the beginning. Yeah, I, I, yeah you thought it was like a, all a bunch of screens. I couldn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is one of my uh, one of my favorite shirts. It's, it's uh, I think the same artist who made my geek shirt, who that has all that stuff, made this nerd shirt. I got this on Threadless. If you're interested, if you're envious. Hey, you too can have this shirt. Um, shirt envy. Yes. <laughs> Larry, we got two more quick examples to kind of um, uh, round, round about our out. journey. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's go to Deep Space Nine and let's talk about Red Squadron because we can do anything. Yes. Um, and somebody mentioned, I'm sorry, somebody mentioned, I've lost my chat. Somebody mentioned Red Squad earlier. Yeah. So let's talk yeah. about the USS Valiant and Nog especially. Boy, does Nog want to be a part of them? They're the cool kids, Larry. They get they get all the best uh, training missions and the shiny new equipment. Um, they they get their own episode titled in their own name. Yeah, on the value. Yeah, yeah. They get their own death scenes. They get everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here we have an example of um, of of envy playing into uh wanting to be a part of this organization and Mm -hmm. being jealous for what they have and what what um what uh nog does not have well and remember nog is starting from a diminished base because he's a Ferengi, so everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still think some of that cultural, you know, he's not coming from a privileged Federation background where it's like, oh, yawn. So he's yeah he's appre- he's envious he's appreciative he's, yes yeah yeah and he shuts down Jake who does who is uh, on a more you know he's not a he's Jake has already turned down the mystique of Starfleet yes. in his own self interest you know yeah. and 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 paid a pro- paid you know looked at his own demons and made a hard choice and decided not to and he's already turned that corner and he's not swept up in the romance of it all and it's it's a, it's a great jake versus nog moment there as they as they is okay they were buddies 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 and it used to be they're going to argue over a girl or they're going to argue over some ferengi human thing and then overcome it and now they're on this much more mature level of of starfleet worship or not you're these are kids you know these are kids bucky Um, yeah yeah and and uh it makes sense that they're so emotional um yeah, we our, our brain doesn't finish developing. At least our human brain. I don't know about these aliens, but um, the frontal lobe, the part that so well controls our emotions, it doesn't finish developing until your mid twenties. And so, giving a, a a group of still developing cadets control of the most powerful warship that the Federation has ever created. Well, a tough uh, little ship. Anyway. A tough, yeah, little. Larry, 
Um, <laughs> we we see we see where this goes. We see where the hubris gro- goes, but we also see the envy and jealousy that's driving Nog. And and you explained Ooh. it really well. The hubris drift. Set course for the hubris drift. <laughs> the hubi- uh, hubris drift isn't that what caused the the supernova that destroyed Romulus uh, later yeah, on, or the burn and the, yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a little hubris. bit of everything. Uh, a little bit of everything. Blame the hubris drift. <laughs> there is the hubris drift. <laughs> so okay. that's that's a really great example of that. We've got one last one to bring us um, <laughs> all the way forward, but not as forward as Discovery uh, is uh, Rafi and picard uh this yeah, is an example yeah. you brought up i was Larry. trying to think of picard and you know like i said the emerald chain and all of that is a cultural thing but even in the uh in the series where everyone is broken and i didn't use that term um <laughs> i have people bemoaning the fact that we can't have like stand-up people no where raffi it's and because this drove people bonkers when it was aired but raffi actually expressing you know it sounds like jealousy and envy of picard living on his old estate and she's in her in her glorified trailer although i would <laughs> at the time i'm like at okay. vasquez rocks literally yes, like at vasquez, vasquez literally, rocks. yeah that, so yeah. so i'm the whole thing was such a reaction i did a trekland tuesdays live back at the time i said you can't it was a trekland tuesdays live there's very few of them that i remember the titles this is one and the title of it was you can't force feed utopia hmm but basically that, okay, it, she's not – she may be living in a trailer, but it's like the hottest trailer I've ever seen. She has total Wi-Fi connection. She's totally connected <laughs> to the outside world. Somewhere along the way on you know Utopia Earth, they decided that they could take plots of pristine parkland that had been preserved as parkland, public land, for hundreds of years and decide to let her – have a little, yeah, there's yeah. nobody else around her. No, there's she's no like, one else. She's got crowded neighbors, and they've like ruined the land. She's plopped down there to live by some special dispensation, whatever. I don't know. But the fact that she's, you know, and people got in this whole thing about what does ownership look like? Is is Picard maintaining that his vineyard as a trust? But Raffi talking about how she's in, she's envious of his his French chateau and his big house. Yeah, and she's living here in squalor. It was not anything on the level that we equate those terms with now, but part of it is also was how much of that is her speaking out as an average person of envy in a class society that we always thought was pretty egalitarian yeah. and equal, thanks to replicators and and post World War Three wisdom, or is some is a lot of that like Janice Lester. Is a lot of that coming out of her own personal hurt? Yeah, I, I you know. um, uh, Charlotte brings up a good point here, uh, Larry. She, who's, what she says is obviously jealous and envious. Yeah, but how much of that is you know? And when Picard reacts, is he reacting that he's hurt, or is he reacting more and realizing how hurt? She, and he feels bad because he didn't communicate with her. But is he really hurt about the fact he's living in a French chateau, or is he really hurt from knowing that's how? damage she is and how hurting she is so charlotte says um who's to say she's not (laughs) squatting on the land which i I think is a possibility um and if we play that out here is picard who still relatively has maintained some type of status enough status to be interviewed by the federation news network or whoever it was that interviewed him um and gets to live on his huge estate and has this name behind him the picard name 
But Rafi, of course, it, it was a family. It's not like he ran in and grabbed it. It was his no, it was I, his but that's family thing. generational. But which he gets us into how does that work? Well, but, he still has that status, right, of his family. He still has that to sort of fall back on and his legacy. <laughs> but what does Rafi have? She doesn't have her family. She doesn't have this the estate. She has uh, she has none of it. She's been um, alien. She's lost all of it. She lost her career, kind of because of Picard. And, um, she has nothing else to fall back on. And, and she probably, through some of her own actions, maybe through actions that weren't hers, became a bit alienated with her family. And so she's got, without her career, she's got nothing. She's got nothing left and nothing to show for it. Whereas Picard does, at least appears to internally, he might not. So I think, um, you know, Karen says her envy is from <laughs> anger and hurt. She is hurting. Um, she's, she's deeply hurting. Um, absolutely. I think that's a great, that's a great example. So you, you said, and Charlotte says here, Larry, who's to say she's not squatting on, who says she's not squatting on the land. Well, I'm just thinking it's, it's 24th century. (laughs) Like it's people, if she's there, like Picard found her. Right. So it's like if the, if the government, if the Federation, if the earth government wanted, didn't want her there, they wouldn't have her. I mean, it's not like she's – that's not out in the middle of anywhere now, much less 300 years from yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is uh, – uh, Charlotte's got – planetary weather modification net. I yeah, mean, we <laughs> – This is why I like Rafi so much because she so represents <clears throat> so many different things. And, and Charlotte says um, – and of course, we can't ignore certain disparities here. The well-off old white man lives in luxury while the black woman pays more diet – consequences for backing him during those same actions we see that with the um the the federation admiral who calls out picard for his hubris where picard is just like well um i just need a ship and a crew and i'm good to go <laughs> and, and if, you, if you don't want me to still have admiral's pips i'm totally happy to go yeah. back to captain yeah i could go back to captain um you can give me one of those old galaxy classes. I'll take a defiant class. Um, yeah. you know, I'll yeah. even take one of those, uh, Odyssey classes or whatever. Um, I don't know. Did I just make that up? Is there such a thing? Who knows? Larry, I, let's do, uh, if we could do a combined, um, counselor's log and we'll combine that with, um, a oh, away mission. Hurry, Cause we haven't done K3 either. Yes. No. Yes. We're going to combine the these Give us two. our marching orders, Dr. Yeah, Ollie. Yeah, 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 I'm going to. And so what I wanted to do a little bit here is just kind of talk about these emotions. Um, what does envy and what does jealousy actually mean? You know, all of our emotions, they quickly communicate important information. And envy is all about um, seeing another person or another group that has something that you need but or want and, and don't have. So envy is seeing someone else who has something that that you want or need. And that in itself is not bad. Um, Envy can be motivating. Mm -hmm. It can help you to better yourself. Um, It's your own rear and gear. Yeah, like Boimer. I always have a hard time saying his name. Boimer. Boimler. 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 There we go. Um, He's envious of the senior staff. And he wants to move up in his career in that way um we see that a little bit with wesley as well this is desire to improve to better yourself to with nog as well um it it in itself is not bad same thing with jealousy 
Jealousy is when you see that someone is um, is threatening to take away a very important part of uh, of a relationship you have or an object that you have. There's there's a threat, a, a fear with jealousy that you're going to lose something, um, that something is going to be damaged. It's going to be lost. It's going to be taken away. Um, that's that's what jealousy um, is all about. Worf experiences is a, a certain amount of jealousy is healthy in relationships. A certain amount of jealousy helps you to protect what you have and maintain what you have. That in itself is not a problem. But as we just talked about here with lore, we talked about this with the Kazon, we talked about this with Robert <laughs> and, Picard and Jean-Luc. Say uh, it again. Robert. You okay. got to trill your R's. Robert. Um, when, you, when you experience too much of these things. They can become problems. <clears throat> or if the emotion doesn't fit the facts of the situation. Um, there's a few different examples of, of that that we talked about. Uh, like with lore. Um, data had nothing to do. Nothing to do with the experiences that lore went through. And yet lore projects so much of his, uh, of his envy onto data when data was like, Data wasn't even created at this point. So when the emotions don't fit the facts or when the emotions are going to get acting on the emotions are going to cause you problems like they do with Worf, Worf and Jadzia acting on Worf acting on his jealousy causes a lot of problems. Um, in fact, it kind of pushes Jadzia away. What do you do then? So let's talk about that. Let's dive into jealousy. Um, Jealousy. Jealousy. Not there was an actual song. Johnny, what's it? the same guy that did Rawhide did a had a song hit called Jealousy. Night and day you torture me. Da -da. I was, okay, go ahead. Sorry. I just realized there was a jealousy song and I had Our life support live retreat folks. It's, We're gonna be uh late into the night singing in that uh, uh on stage. It's totally no 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 never Never apologize, Larry, for <laughs> singing on this show. Um, jealousy. So if you're experiencing too much of this, uh, one of the things you want to do is try to let go of controlling others. And this is what we see Worf really struggling with, with, with Jadzia and Dax. And he kind of, he does come to a point of acceptance that if I want to be married to Dax, I cannot control who she is. She's not going to be that perfect Klingon bride. She says so herself. So with jealousy, really trying to let go of trying to control the other person, um, sharing the things that you do have in your life, um, really trying to um, not hoard what you have, but being a little bit more sharing of it. And then um, here's a big one that I think affects a lot of us is stopping trying to spy on other people. Um, jealousy really drives us to that, to try to get more information, to try to look more. And Larry, one way in which this plays out for all of us is social media, is being very jealous of others and trying to look more, clicking on their <laughs> profile, trying to get all the information you possibly can and getting um, maybe sometimes getting a bit un, um, unhealthy in your in your um, uh, how much you're looking up that other person. Online stalking of information. Your online stalking, yeah. So backing yeah, away yeah. from that is going to be really helpful in reducing some of that jealousy. And envy, speaking of social media, um, there's this term called envy-inducing incidents 
where you're looking at someone else on social media, they have something you want, you really get stuck in that. And it tends to lead you to sort of upregulate how much you're presenting about yourself. So you see someone else who has a seemingly perfect life, you try to present more of your own perfect life, but it's not and you feel worse as a result of it. So if you're experiencing too much of that envy, is um, tr- don't try to exaggerate your own value. Don't try to exaggerate the other person's value. Like I shared with Vanessa Hill and my journey on YouTube and, and her journey on YouTube, everyone's got their own struggles. And you, you don't see them. When you're envious, you only see all the wonderful mm-hmm. things that the person's going through. You have no idea of all the struggles that they have <coughs> behind, behind that. So don't try to exaggerate their value. Don't try to exaggerate your own value. Um, gratitude seems to be such a wonderful elixir for envy. Really being grateful for you have. Every time I was comparing myself to people who had larger audiences on YouTube. Well, I was going to say your story about your, your, right. I was being ungrateful for the thousand people who said, I want to watch every video this guy puts out and were subscribing to me. And the people who are taking the time out of their day to watch my very bad first few videos on YouTube. Um, gratitude <laughs> seems to be what such a wonderful elixir to all of this. And the last thing I would say is, uh, sometimes envy can drive you to want to destroy what the other person has so sort of backing up from that being very grateful for what you have these are wonderful elixirs here uh larry you know what i'm in the mood for i feel the need not for speed but for k3 i would love a k3 well a k3 i feel the need for k3 oh that was so good i should have said that oh i know well i'm i'm here to pick you up every week and thank you you off and shine you up a little (laughs) no um so k3 this week guys and if you're new to the show and you're still with us for some reason and by the way i think i saw a new name shout out to louise a on youtube so i'm glad you found us one new name i saw this week uh, K3 is the chance for I get to do what he's been doing only on the deep dive Star Trek site. I'll take this theme today, Envy and Jealousy, and apply it to the real world of Star Trek behind the scenes like we do in Trekland and all things there. And, I, you know, it occurred to me the easy way out. I Somehow I keep thinking we've had a platform, a theme where I did this already. But envy, jealousy, what, where does that go in TV production? Well, you think of, oh, actors and egos. And, you know, whether we – and I – I know I've talked about this before. When you go back to Shatner and Nimoy at the very beginning, oh yeah, when Spock blew up and became more than the second banana, you know, and they had to rejigger their their relationship, which they mostly did, and then it had its ups and downs, and apparently at the end was on the down again. But there's that famously, and then there's equally now if it wasn't at the time, but now it is. I mean, we knew it, but the whole thing between uh, Kate and uh, Jerry on Voyager, yeah. Uh, where Kate was very jealous of she was the woman head of the show and she's the first woman lead and they she felt down that they had to bring in you know very jealous they had to bring in a babe to pick up their ratings for some reason and all, all of this Larry was a prelude to the great jealousy and envy between Dr. Trek and Dr. Ali which yes, really yes. So like, I like to think we're just carrying on that tradition yeah, yeah it yeah. really became the fascination of Star Trek fandom in 2020 Yes, and because look how uh, look how famous look how well Voyager did. Yes, I mean, yes, <laughs> they kept the whole network from collapsing. Oh wait, um, <laughs> no, that was Enterprise that did that. That was oh, that's right. Well, they were put it on the path. 
Uh, <laughs> yes. So the total fascination with us. No. So, but my point here was those were easy to glob onto, and we kind of know those. And and yes, and Kate and Jerry have made peace in the last year. It was really, to be honest, it was really Kate driven. Jerry was like, "I'm just trying to do my job and have fun." Uh, so it was all a good thing, and they did it very publicly. Well, you know what they say about Garrett. all good things, Larry. One one thing Garrett did with his life was get Kate and Jerry kind of back together. But oops, did I say that? Uh, no, I'm kidding. But um, but I wanted to say the for reals Kate through I wanted to talk about was something, and somebody said this in the chat. I lost it, uh, so I'm going to shout out to whoever it was. But the time, the first time there were multiple series going on. When it's it's amazing to think of this now because we think of TNG being the big brother of the modern series and everybody else envious. In fact, they've said it out loud. And it oh, was in sure. the, somebody mentioned the doc and what we left behind the DS9 doc of the DS9 cast being envious of TNG's success being ahead of them. I mean, they got it. They were they were the middle. You know, and Ira talks about being the middle child, even to Voyager, because yeah. Voyager was a network show. Yeah. And TNG TNG was the comeback pioneer show and they were stuck in the middle yeah but what's amazing is and that first sh- i have a shot there from uh starship mine yeah putting the, it up now. Uh, i remember marina talking about this when they shot that episode that was supposed to be and there was a terrorist attack and they shoot hutch hutchinson the the chatterbox commander that they it goes from being a joke to being this threat you know oh my god they shot him they killed kenny uh but this guy <laughs> stayed dead but Marina talking about that was supposed to be like a reception. Do you want to come to my reception? Okay. Well, they were like the whole thing was for them. There was a waiter. <laughs> there was one other, you know, the of the of the Hakonians, whoever they were. Yeah. The, the two aliens that were there who were terrorists, and the host, and the five of the senior crew besides Picard. It's like, what was where's the and Marina says who all of our extras got got uh, funny accounting over into DS9 so they can have more oh. they can have more extras they, had, they built that huge promenade set on DS9 and if right. they didn't have 20 people out there right. it suddenly looked very like what are we in a are we in a pandemic you know they they can only do one so many pandemic shows but it's like what's going on are we out of power why is the promenade right, right. they had to have bodies over there and they were stealing a little bit of accounting mojo behind this Anyway, that was the one where she said we all just finally lost it and said, this is supposed to be a reception. Who is it for? Us? But you invited us to come to the thing. Anyway, it's funny because there's like it's just this set with nobody in it. But And you watch this. I was trying to find them. That's the one image that I sent you yeah. where you see the entire scene in one shot. Um, they didn't want to keep emphasizing that there's only like six or seven bodies here at this party. I'm, I'm putting up these two images with um... – uh, Starship Mine on the left, and yeah. uh, the second K three image you sent me of the DS nine shot, um, and you well, just one is from Man Alone early, yes, and, and there's the other one where they have, and I was thinking there was a better, I couldn't find it, the Scria all streaming into the station from Sanctuary. Yeah, it, it looks like one. It looks like one place looks alive. The other place looks like the very sad networking hour during a conference that no one really shows up to. But now you're there because your your boss is kind of there and you kind of need to stick around, but you really would rather leave and go to the party over at the promenade because that seems to be a lot more happening. Um, yeah, that's that's a really great, great example. I never thought so about that. So they're talking there about the show. You know, a lot of people worked both shows, but a lot of people didn't. And how 
in the beginning, DS9 was the huge, cool new show, and it's just new and shiny and fresh. But within a year or two, they were like, "Oh, well, they've got a movie, and now the and the new, you know, and the new show is the network show coming in Voyager, and they're the hot. Like we only had two years to be the new kid on the block, and they're already it. And we didn't. What did we do with our fame? We're just kind of." you know slogging along here on us on a on a plateau and not getting anyway so there's a little bit of there's a little bit of behind the scenes not destructively everybody thought well of each other's shows well this is this is the same uh the same thing i think uh i was experiencing and they couldn't resist you know they couldn't help it this is the same thing i was experiencing with my youtube channel comparing it to other people when you see when you look at others you kind of just see the, the grass is always greener. The grass is always yeah. greener. You you see, you see the what's going well, but you don't understand the struggles there. Um, and uh, that's that's a that's a great example of it, Larry. Larry, you had another image that I'm I'm putting up right now, and this is a GoFundMe. Um, would you like to talk about this a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so while we've got your attention here, um, I mentioned this a few weeks back, but I just wanted to bring it back around. So GoFundMe, this is for uh, Michael Braveheart. I talked about this on my Tuesdays Live last – on Trekline Tuesdays. Um, I got off on some rants about this, the reason why the whole thing about behind people having to have GoFundMes for medical reasons and uh, other you yeah. know life reasons. But yeah. that aside, very quickly, so Michael Braveheart played um, – he was the nurse next to Gates McFadden starting in the second season of Next Gen through the entire rest of the run of the show. The guy that was always there, you never knew who he was. And eventually he fi- actually got a name. He was Ensign Martinez. He was he was her male nurse that didn't talk. When she needed a talking nurse, that's when they brought in Ogawa, <laughs> Patty Azataki. But for all the times when he just stood there and he was the nurse aside, um, I finally found out his name was Michael Braveheart, which was cool when I got – call sheets when we were working on the book and anyway i was talking to him about being a guest on on portal 47 and he had just talked to me about how he had been getting by in the pandemic but he uh, he couldn't do acting lessons and he had some heart issues and needed a couple of surgeries and had put up a gofundme at not for a ton of money not for like tens of he had a three thousand dollar gofundme up there and i told him i the trek community would try to help him out i would think and so you know there's millions of us Five bucks a piece or something maybe would help him out. So anyway, I just wanted to remind people about that. And um, he had he had another minor heart attack a couple of weeks ago, but he's getting over it. And they've got him on a regimen and all of that. He's more stressed about paying his apartment in yeah. New York and all that than he is, I think, about his own health help. But anyway, I just wanted to shine a little light yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is uh, one of the things that the Trek community is always... Not that there aren't plenty of other good causes out there yeah. that people are hurting, but that was one from the Trek community and yeah. and sharing a little bit of info, too. So Yeah, if yeah. Um, there's there's so many people that need help right now, and um, if there's anything um, our community can do to help another person who brought so much joy to our lives... I um I I think that would be a wonderful thing stability for us to do. there yeah. yeah and then of course the last one I sent us was yep. our uh, our next big yeah event. let's let's actually talk about this um, folks we Scott got for, um uh, we have yeah thank you Scott for putting this image together we've got a f- really fun episode planned for next week um, this is going to be an episode that is celebrating Star Trek Voyager it's uh, a watch along and a guest day both. it's it's a bonus 
Um, hopefully, I'll, too, I'll, too hopefully we'll be able to tech the tech. We're going to be watching Living Witness, um, a wonderful Star Trek Voyager episode that's really about history. And then we're welcoming two folks who mm-hmm. are uh, creating the Voyager documentary, which is going to be documenting the history of Voyager. Uh, Larry, can you tell us a little bit about our guests? Uh, no. Okay, well, neither can I. So there you go, folks. Good thing we're going to have them on next week. They'll be able to talk Find out about. all about. Yeah. No, so Dave Zappone uh, is is not a well-known face, although after after uh, what we left behind, he is more to, more a fandom. He has a small – but he he is a documentary producer who worked with Shatner through all of his documentaries later on. And then uh, uh, the Shatner ones, the captains, and then did Chaos on the Bridge for Shatner. But then also worked with Adam Nimoy for uh, the Spock doc and then uh, with Ira for What We Left Behind. And his profile's rising. And then Lolita, a lot of you know Lolita. She was a script coordinator, uh, a good friend of mine for years, and then um, worked with the writers. And then when the shows went down, she got out and actors had been using – she'd worked with the convention circuit a lot and talked and spoke. And uh, and she just kind of bridged over to that because so many actors were asking her for advice about where to go for conventions. So she's been a convention agent rep, and she's helping get the talent lined up and wrangle actors and, and guests for the documentary. Um, and then there's a whole team behind Dave. But anyway, we, we can have two guests on the show. And I th- we thought – I thought Living Witness was a perfect show about documenting and what yes. happens when you don't do a good job of documenting yeah. or what happens when you uh, get the history it, wrong. It's about – it's a, both about – it's kind of the perfect Larry Ali episode because it's about history and about memory. So it, it kind of bridges – Everything that we have such a passion for, um, it bridges history and oh, yeah, psychology and Star Trek and and um, this Voyager documentary. I am so excited, Larry, to have – there's so much for us to talk about here. Yep. Um, it's going to be such a fun, fun time. So next week, folks, bring your media, which you yes. probably won't have anything to bring. Them. It's more like open up the URL. Um, uh, have Living Witness ready. We're going to watch it together. We're going to talk about it. And then we're bringing in the folks who are Living Witness to <laughs> Voyager's history here and are, are bringing that. Uh, right, yeah. right. Which is fun because I said, here's our, pl- here's, our, here's our show format. Here's our, you know, the conceit. And they were like, oh, good. We're trying to watch every rewatch every Voyager anyway. So that's like that's on our list. And it's a good Doctor episode. It's a good Picardo show. Yeah, they all. And, you know, it's a it's an alter. It's like how Voyager never went to the mirror universe, but they kept doing mirror universe shows like where everybody was here. In this case, the the excuse is uh, the, the natives get it wrong, get their history wrong because they're pulling it from clues and fossils. So anyway, that'll be a. Really fun show and a big show for uh, a first of its kind for us yeah. to pull off. Yeah, so, yeah, it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. We've never had four get. We never had four people on the show at the same time, so this is going to be a lot of fun, and hopefully it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> um, folks, we've had um, we've had a lot of fun today. Um, thank you for everyone in the comments section. Uh, there was a request from Jesse. Can we get the link to the GoFundMe in the description? And I think Jared said um, he's going to put the link out into the group. Um, Larry, we'll make sure that link to the GoFundMe is is up and running so folks can, can definitely get access to it. Um, 
So while we're kind of wrapping up the show, um, we want to uh, thank Scott and Jared for moderating our comments, making sure that this is a safe place for everyone in the community. Uh, big thanks to Jared for putting up some of our promotional materials, and then also to Scott for editing these episodes for the podcast version of the show. Um, thank you to everyone in the community for all your awesome comments and for playing yeah. along with Larry and I pretending like we can actually sing and put on a show. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Alimatu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nemechek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Psych Show. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone. <laughs>